Hello, hello, hello. Welcome in to the Logical Love Podcast. Delightful to see you here today, even though I can't see you. I'm in your ear, and it's nice to be here. If you like this episode, go ahead and give it a review. If you don't like it, give me a review too. Tell me I'm terrible. I like it. I could use some some trolls in my life. Also, if you dig this content, feel free to go to the logical.love website. That's logical.love. But in today's episode, I want to explore a question that I ask myself. And that is, am I sexist? Am I sexist? You know, because what happens is, is, you know, during my interactions on social media and, and even in person, sometimes I get labeled as, as sexist, you know, and it, admittedly, it is a bit easier for me to get the point across during a conversation at a park or when I'm really, you know, even on a phone call where I'm able to really engage with that person. You know, to make sure we're speaking the same wavelength. Communication is tricky. Now, I'm going to say this as I don't think I'm sexist. You know, I don't think I'm sexist. I'm trying to be true. I'm trying to be honest. And sometimes, you know, the truth hurts. Matter of fact, I think the truth kind of... By nature, it, it has pain in it. But in my opinion, it's a hell of a lot better than a falsehood, than living a lie. Some people want to be plugged into the matrix. It's pleasant. It's nice. Some people want to unplug, but there's a pain involved in that. So I don't think I'm sexist. I'm trying to be true. You know, when I speak to people, whether it's, you know, clients I have could be male, female, I'm not trying to sell a convenient lie, right? Because that's easy to sell. You know, it's going to be very easy, you know, to, to sell you the sex in the city, you know, to sell you the, you can have your fairy tale, Mr. Big, you know, go live your life. You can come back from it, go be a hoe and settle down when you want. It's all going to work out. In the same way, it's easy to sell you the fantasy of the one, of Prince Charming, of, you know, Cinderella, of you meeting this one. These are easy, convenient things to sell, but they're not true. And we see this. But it's easier to sell that, right? It's easier to kind of stay plugged into the matrix so to speak. It's a little harder to kind of unplug, see things for what is, sit with that pain, maybe even feel a little regret. Now, see, as a coach that, I guess what I'm trying to do when I do this is, you know, I'm a father first. Been a dad for almost half of my life, right? My son's 16. I just turned 35. But so where I'm coming from is, is I'm a coach. And when I'm working with someone, I come from the place of, of a father. 
you know, how would I want my daughter or son to not necessarily behave, but how would I, what skills, what things would be important for my son and my daughter to know so that way they can navigate a healthy, successful life for them? For them. So, you know, when I'm doing this, I guess, you know, I kind of want to be, you know, I look at myself as I'm a coach that, you know, fathers would love for their daughters to have, but the fuck boys and some raging feminists will hate me. I think as Carl Jung said, you know, it's everything that bothers us about others really tells us something about ourselves. And that's everybody's work, their shadow work, their own work. You know, I can't do that for you over a podcast mic or even do that for you at all. I can hold your hand as you do it, but no one can do it for you. So as I get into this here, I would love it if you would listen to this and uh, go ahead and you can DM me at Love Logician on Instagram or you can just write a review to this podcast and tell me how I can either word this better or let me know what points are not making sense or maybe are just too confusing. Because again, my place is if you're listening to me, right? And say you've been that Carrie Fisher, right? Or say you've, you've been a man that you bought into, I could buy happiness, whatever. My, my, my thing is not to judge you. Again, my spirituality is reality. I, I look at you know, I look around and I see the the brothers and the sisters of this human family, of this little human thing, on this pale blue dot. And I think it's beautiful. So I'm not saying these things to judge. I'm saying these things so you might see, you might be able to wake up before you die and see things clearly. Be mindful of what is. And then guide your life to where you want to go with some intentionality, with some purpose, with some presence. So here's my point. And this is why a lot of people can think I'm sexist. All right. I think the way I see it, sex is a big deal biologically and evolutionarily, no matter how or what we feel about it, right? It's a big deal. I don't care what, you know, sex in the city has told you. I don't care what, uh, you know, it's just a handshake. I mean, people would like to think that. And here's my point to this, why it's a big deal. is because those things like sex in the city, these constructs, hookups, whatever it is, these, these are, are constructs of consciousness. And consciousness, which we could kind of say like each human's self-awareness, the realization that, you know, we exist, so to speak, that consciousness sits on top of physics and biology. I mean, I've heard it said that you could look at it like physics begets chemistry, which then begets biology, which then begets psychology. If there wasn't these laws of physics and gravity to pull together rocks to be a planet and there wasn't some chemistry to make some organisms and then there wasn't some, you know, biology to, you know, 
have gametes and genitals and want to rub them and touch them and love them, then we wouldn't have any babies. We would have never been born to consciousness. We would have never had a field psychology. So what I mean by this is that there could be no consciousness without biology and physics. Physics exists in everything we see, we touch, and even don't touch. I mean, just think of gravity. Right now, the Earth's rotation, etc., without these things, there could be no human life. There could be no life. Biology exists in biological beings, such as humans, because we have this physics, the chemistry, etc. However, tons of other species seem to have any, you know, self-awareness at all. Which sometimes when I'm lost in the thoughts of past and future, I, I wish I didn't either. I think we all have, have been there. You know, they don't have to think about what they did yesterday, last week, last month, that regretful relationship, situationship. They don't have to be anxious about when they're going to meet the man and am I going to meet him in time or am I going to meet her or is she going to like me or the, they don't have this. So in, in the view that I'm understanding, the way I understand it, is that consciousness depends first on physics and then we get to certain laws, we could say, and I'm using air quotes there, of biology. And by the way, you know, science may have described and understood a lot about these laws, but the beauty of science is it's still discovering, you know, these intricate details to go deeper. We don't understand it all. We don't understand all of physics, biology, or psychology, but we're able to glean some wisdom from it. Because look, you don't need to know and define the laws of biology and physics any more than you need to know your great-great-grandmother. Because even if you didn't know her or know those things, her, just like those laws of biology and physics, they affect the course of your life, regardless of your beliefs, of anyone's beliefs. You don't need to know or understand all of the details of gravity. You don't need to know what speed it is. You know, you don't need to know these things for you to really realize that when you jump off a cliff on this planet Earth, you will fall to the ground. In other words, gravity and sex do not need consciousness right? Gravity and sex are things that come before consciousness, before psychology. Now, it's hard for humans to understand this because much like gravity, these biological forces are constantly happening in the background, in our subconscious, without us even noticing. I mean, think about it. You're not thinking about growing your hair or, or making sure your eyes have water or are moist or growing your fingernails 
All of these things are happening subconsciously. Right? Plus, these biological forces, then they're interwoven with the psychology of it. your childhood wounds, the, the patterns of past relationships, whether it was your siblings, your parents, the first person you, you had sex with. So these forces of biology are constantly at play, the hormones, the biochemistry. This is happening within you. You know, so the former is biology, right? The, the biological forces that are, are at play. The latter, you know, your childhood wounds, your relationship habits, those are psychology. Now, we live in a world where a lot of people would say, I should change biology because of my psychology. They would have us believe that the psychology is more important than the biology. For instance, that, you know, why can't a woman just go having sex like a man? Let's rewrite the laws of what predates our psychology, which is biology, but to redo those, to disregard those because of our consciousness. So in the same way, saying that sex shouldn't or should not be a big deal, that doesn't change it. That doesn't change the biology of it. We, we can't escape it, just like we can't escape physics. So yeah, we can say all day that sex shouldn't be a big deal, that a man shouldn't care, you know, if the girl's been a prostitute or an OnlyFans model or if she's been ran through by about 10 chads. We can say that all day. We could say that sex shouldn't be a big deal, that we should be focused more on commitment and relationships and sex should just be a thing. But the thing is, when we say these, this isn't really helping, you know, men stop being addicted to sex and porn and harm them. And it's not stopping, you know, it's not stopping the path of hurt women that these things leave in their wake. Saying sex isn't a big deal, it also isn't helping women see the role that biology has on their path. I mean, women have sexual impulses, like men do. That's, and that's okay. But no one is talking about how the biology is different for a woman than it is for a man. You know, because when a woman engages in sex, we know that women tend to produce more oxytocin, right? We also know that women are more susceptible to STDs, just the nature of the genitalia. It's warm. That's why they get yeast infections, right? And so, yeah, if we want to find a way where we can make dry vaginas because we want sex to be the same for men and women, we don't want a woman to have any extra risk that a man doesn't have, we can try that. But that's not how it is. That's a construct of our mind. Right? So look, I didn't pick this. I didn't pick these things to be the way they are. If, if I was the creator of the universe, hell yeah, would I make it 50-50? I'd have a way 
for a woman to carry a baby around for about four and a half months and then be able to just hand that thing over to the man. If I was if I was making it, you know, if I was making an ideal utopian system. Yeah, I would. You know, I'd have I'd have men and women look at look at hoes the same. Right. I would have our society and and, and, and the people that constitute it. I'd have them look at sex the same. Right. But guess what? I don't. I don't pick this. You don't pick this. Nobody picks our parents. And we damn sure don't pick the laws of physics or biology or even psychology. But, you know, just like gravity encouraged the human species to avoid cliffs, even before the species could properly speak to each other and have political ideas, way before we understood or even called it gravity, the toll that sex has had for women is dictated by biology the same way. And I think that throughout the evolution of humans, women learned to deal with this tricky situation, just like humans learned to deal with the tricky situation of gravity. We didn't learn to deal with it by changing it. We learned to deal with it not by controlling it, but by riding the waves to live in harmony with it. And so for women, how they learn to do this tricky situation, and we see this across most females in the animal kingdom, is they are, you know, they're choosy when they're selecting mates. They get to select the mates. It's up to a woman. If you're a lady listening to this, you know it. Guys are always wanting to have sex with you, but you get to choose the ones that you have sex with, you know? If you're in a bunch of relationships with men that are fucking you, coming on your face and belly, and refusing to even kiss you in public, well, you're the common denominator. You're picking that. That's biology. You get to select your mates. Now, traditionally... Females and in the animal kingdom, they do this by being choosy, by being picky, and not just having sex with anyone and everyone that they swipe on a fucking dating app. Now, this has happened a lot older than dating apps for millions of years, actually. In human evolution, and even in biological terms beyond that. Right? Whoever has the, the biggest energy cost of sex becomes more picky and choosy. A woman evolved to be more picky and choosy because if they had sex, they could be the one that got pregnant. Again, this is in our, in our biological DNA. It's in the biology. You know, it's not something we can just change with our psychology. You know, things like the pill, the condom, etc. These are too recent in human evolution for our, you know, human hardware to compute these things. It's, it's as though we have this very old, ancient brain, but we live in a very new world. So the hormones are given impulse to both women and men to seek sex, 
Oxytocin makes a woman get attached to men. And dopamine makes men constantly seek more and more until exhaustion. This biology played a role in human evolution. And it allowed us to continue the species. We evolved this way. It is what it is. But nowadays, we don't want to talk about it. If you do, a lot of times, what I've said to you today, people would call me sexist for. I don't think I am. If I have a, a son and a daughter, and I say, hey, like, you guys can go out there and have a year where you just have sex with, hook up with 15, 20 people. Put aside for a minute how society and your fellow peers are going to look at you. But literally the effects on your body are going to be different. Again, my daughter's more likely to get an STD. Right? What if she gets pregnant? Even if she decides that she can take a plan B pill or she can get an abortion. That's an effect on her body. Right? It's, it's a less likely she's going to be able to have kids later. Also plays in the psychology of it. It's going to be seen differently. We know this through evolutionary psychology. So literally, my son and daughter can do the same thing. But the tax on their psyche, their soul is different. The tax on their body is different. And literally, their value to potential mates is different. And it's an inverse difference. It's, it's not fair. Now, we can keep not talking about the importance of sex and the role that biology plays in our subconscious. But again, by not talking about these things, all it does is it leaves, you know, our daughters and sisters with more sex than ever before, more sexual partners than ever before, and more heartbreak than ever before. Most men will end up, you know, porn addicted, anxious with insecurities, not being able to connect with a woman, and either having unrealistic expectations of sex because of all of the eager beavers that just would do anything for him for one night. Or the other group of men, the most of the men, end up having no sex at all, right? And a lot of times, they're not having sex because the things that a feminist will, on average, try to proselytize or, or try to encourage in a man is for a man, you know, to be sweet and kind and see things like a woman. And, and I'm not saying there's not value in empathy. But if you talk to a woman, it's very quick and easy to see that that's not the people they're having sex with. You know, they're having sex with the guys that are a little maybe aggressive, maybe even a little bit of an asshole. Right? That are not afraid to have opinions, to say things. You know, that look at sex and things differently. And so it causes a cycle of suffering that continues. Most women, you know, end up getting naked with many more men than their grandmothers. They end up heartbroken, 
and desensitized to this. While they crave connection and they hop from bed to bed to get that short little respite. You know, sometimes, especially for a woman, you really want to be loved. But if you're desperate and you're lonely, it's nice to just be desired. Nice to be lusted after for a couple of minutes a night. That's why you'll, you know, fly out, drive through, drive over to have sex with that guy that has no respect for you, that doesn't love you. Because you just want to be desired. It's a nice short-term fix. But those short-term pleasures tend to cause a lot of long-term discomforts. You know, and again, this ends up with a lot of heartbroken women craving this connection. Because they really want somewhere, I think, almost like intuitively, subconsciously, they want somewhere where they can safely show, you know, their female desire to nurture, to care for, to love, you know, to impact the world with their creative feminine power. And conversely, men want to work hard. They want to achieve things. They want to feel chosen. They want to win, but not just win for them. They want to win for, you know, something bigger than themselves, right? They want to feel selected. They want to feel, you know, special in some way. But then they don't. And they just hop from bed to bed and just take the pleasures. And a lot of times now, even again, if a man sees this message like most do, they cannot tell you. If you've had sex with a hundred people and, that, and a man's had sex with a hundred people, he says, I know I had sex with a hundred people, but she had sex with a hundred people and that bothers me. And I don't know why it bothers me. Right, but I don't really want to commit to this. I don't feel special. I don't feel chosen. I feel it feels icky. Would you rather him tell you that? Have a conversation about it? Let you know? Because right now, he's not. Nine times out of ten, he's not. Because he's been told that, hey, this is sexist stuff. If you say this, you're going to get labeled a sexist. It's going to make a whole complicated conversation. And most men, most humans even, don't have the wherewithal, the knowledge, the data in these things to even articulate a point in the first place. They're just going to get labeled as such. So then you know what they do? They don't say nothing. But then they also ain't never really connected to you. They don't feel chosen. They don't feel special. There's no attachment. And then you wonder why in the typical, you know, Two to four years, he's moved on. And it was like it is nothing. And you don't even know why. You know, we say a lot of times to men, we say, hey, we want to get you, you should be more emotionally available. Right? But then maybe sometimes women are just too physically available. A man can't get that that fast. He's not going to open his heart to you after two dates. You become easy. It's a, it's an easy thing. He wants to work for it. You got to make him work for it. I know this is shitty. This sounds sexist again. But what do you want me to tell you? If he has not been emotionally available before you guys have sex, the likelihood it's happening after is like slim to nothing. So go ahead and enjoy the, 
great sex, enjoy the fucking vacations, the trips, the adventures, have it, be sex in the city with Carrie, but don't expect to have that ending. Mr. Big is, is probably going to find another one. You know, he's going back 10 years. I don't like it. I don't like it. I don't want these things to be this way. You know, evolutionarily, men try to get sex by offering love, protection, commitment. And then women try to get love, protection, and commitment by offering sex. Now, this is biology. This is before our psychology. Sex is a big deal. You know, it, it bolstered human evolution. And when we see it clearly with its, I don't want to say importance necessarily because that infers a judgment, but when we just see it for what it is, for what it is, clearly, we see the sacredness of it. And I'm able to see more clearly and not be a slave to my impulses. I'm able to, you know, guide my sexual energy mindfully. Now, yes, this does require a certain respect. It does require some hard moments of looking in the mirror and asking myself, am I doing it this way now? And uh, I know I'm eating kale smoothies and, you know, doing Pilates and yoga five times a week. But am I really treating my body like a temple if I'm just hooking up with strangers on apps? Is that, you know what I mean? Like, it's hard. It, it can be hard. But this is the personal work that we have to do. If we want to be free, if we want to see things clearly, if we want to wake up. <laughs> Look, for me, some men are hoes. And it's just my preference. I don't want to share drinks with them. You know, some women are hoes and maybe they can change later, but some women are hoes now and I do not want to share life with them. Sex is a big deal. It's beyond our beliefs. When we accept our biological programming, we no longer have to be slaves to it. But if we ignore it, if we ignore biology and the differences between men and women, if we ignore that, it tramples us. As our old brain glitches in a modern world. We can be sensual. We can be spiritual. And we can do all of this without dogma without religious dogma, without feminist dogma. But that requires us to see what is so we can be what we might be. So all I've said here today, maybe this makes sense for you. Maybe you're like, yeah, duh, I've realized this a long time ago. But maybe it doesn't. Maybe you're a little angry. Maybe you're thinking about typing that review, one star, F, Floyd, he stinks. He's a stinky man. But before you do, I want you just to realize something. Those beliefs you have, you can let those go. You can always pick them back up later. They don't go anywhere. No one can steal them. You can set them down. 
I want to leave you with a quote by Alan Watts. I love Alan. Remind yourself that you are under no obligation to be the same person you were five minutes ago. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Again, would appreciate a review, whether you think it's terrible or good. Also would love just some feedback. If there's things I said that's confusing or wasn't clear, let me know. If you think that I am sexist and you want to tell me why, I would appreciate it. You know, I can't see my own face. I'm not saying this to be negative or to be condescending. I'm saying this to try to help. I'm saying this to try to be as honest as I can. So you can message me at Love Logician on Instagram. Or you can go to logical.love. And that's a website there. You can also email me if you'd like that. That's Floyd at logical.love. Thank you very much. See you next time.